Have you thought about what's around the corner? Here's a clue for you. It's going to happen 14 days after April 1st. From the man who wrote the book on human behavior, a special edition Richard Flint podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's talk human behavior. Here's a challenge I want to put in front of you. I'm a business owner. I've owned my own business for 30 plus years. And as a business owner, I can be honest with you when I tell you, I don't understand all this tax stuff. Every time I turn around, things are changing. If you don't know what you're doing, it can cost you dollars. We need to learn and understand about business and money. So here's what I've done. I've invited someone to the show today who's an expert in the idea of taxes, business, money, and she happens to be my CPA, Jennifer Todd. We used to have a CPA firm that we worked with, and one day they called us in and fired us. And we asked him, why do you not want to work with us? And their response was, well, you and Karen asked too many questions. And I thought that was what the CPA was there to help us with, understanding. And Karen found Jennifer, and we are so lucky to have her. I have a lot of business owners who have CPAs that don't ever talk to them. And the thing I love about Jennifer is that if we have a question, she's there for us. And I want to talk to us today about business, about taxes, about having the right sense. So, Miss Jennifer, welcome to the hour with me this morning. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. And I've, I don't think I've ever heard that story before about your former CPA firing you. That's news to me, and I feel so terrible about that. <laughs> well, you don't feel any worse than we did when, when, when Karen told me what had happened. I guess I was just in total shock because isn't part of the role of a CPA to help me as a business owner if I have questions and things I don't understand? Isn't a part of your role to try to bring some sense to what I don't understand? Well, I don't I think it's more than just a part of our role. It is our role. I mean, it is 100% of our role to uh, educate as much as our clients want to be educated. And truthfully, um, I've actually had customers of my own who have fired me because I ask too many questions. So <laughs> I've kind of had the other way around. Oh. Um, but that is our job is to help you understand, not, not to talk above you or below, but to try to um, talk at the level and speak to our customers at the level that they can understand and help them to um, be successful. We want to be part of their success. Jennifer, am I correct in the fact that the tax codes today are changing faster than maybe even sometimes you can keep up with? Oh, it's impossible to keep up with all the changes. Every year, as a CPA, I, I'm required in the state of Virginia to maintain 40 hours every year of continuing education. And so a big um, chunk of that education is tax updates. And um, matter of fact, I'm going next week for a two-day tax conference just to get up to speed on all the changes because we do this every year. Wow. And is it sometimes overwhelming on your part? 
Well, it can be, but um, we have a lot of good resources. And now with the internet, everything is right there at your fingertips. So it makes it a lot easier. And there's a lot of good um, resources we have as far as societies, like the Virginia Society of CPAs has a um, tax email list serve where you can email questions in and things like that. Um, Plus, you know, just... CPAs kind of stick together and we we network. And so if I have a question, I can always email one of my colleagues back and forth. So we kind of support each other. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) Uh, But would it be safe to say that there are people out there in your world who don't stay up with the tax codes as well as someone like you does? Oh, well, the CPA industry is so broad and there's so many things that you can specialize in that um, not every accountant is going to keep up with the tax code and that sort of thing. But um, it's really our responsibility and ethically we're, we're required to keep up with it. If that's the kind of service we're providing and specializing in, we're required to do it. You can get in trouble, you lose your license and that sort of thing. But unfortunately, um, at least in America, anybody can be a tax preparer. All they have to do is sign up with the IRS, and now they're required to, to take some continuing education. But for many, many years, that wasn't the case, and anybody could hang out their t- um, shingle and say they were a tax accountant. So it doesn't mean that just because they say that, that they're qualified. So as a business owner, can the wrong person doing my taxes cost me a lot of money? Oh, sure, sure. And or, uh, you know, the other way around, sometimes um, we, we get new clients that come to us from uh, an accountant that has let them kind of get away with doing things that maybe they shouldn't have for many, many years. And just because they ha- they never got caught at it doesn't mean they should continue to do it. And so if they come to us and we're doing it correctly, they may pay a little bit more in taxes or something like that. They don't necessarily like it, but it's always better to be conservative if you can. And there's some areas of tax law that are gray. Some are black and white, but um, you know, it's really tough to know where, where to push it. And you always want to be able to substantiate any kind of deductions, uh, your income and things like that. So um, when, when you have taxpayers and clients that are relying on your expertise, you know, as a business owner, you don't know that's not your area of expertise. So you really have to rely on the professional that you hire and there's no vetting process. So the best thing you can do is make sure that you're going with somebody that's reputable. Typically, a CPA, like I said, we're going to have to have so many hours every year of of continuing education and that sort of thing. You know, we've heard for years, and it's been a joke, and there's even been scenes in movies and TV shows about it, about the business owner who you ask them, you have a filing system? Yeah, and they point either to a brown bag or to a box. Mm-hmm. And, and that's their filing system, and then they take that and and I've got a I've got a client right now that that's the way they do things, and they just take them over sometime within about a week of when they're due, and just dump them on their CPA, and then they wonder why things don't happen in a timely fashion. So, as a CPA, what are just a few of the expectations? that you have for the people you choose to work with? Because I would imagine they're people that you don't work with. Oh, sure. Well, um, in the early days when I first started my practice, it was hard to turn away work. So anybody that walked in the door, you know, I was happy to to do their taxes. But that turned into an expensive lesson for myself. (laughs) And, you know, 
So over the years, I've learned how to pick and choose who I want to do business with. Uh, for instance, working with you and Karen, it's wonderful. She's so organized and paperless and scans me things, and she's just great, and I just love it. So, um, you know, it makes my when it makes my job easier, I can provide you better service. And so being organized, like you said, the shoebox or the brown paper bag, that is a nightmare for, for us CPAs, but we'll do it. We just have to charge you for it, you know, and, and it may not get done before the deadline. You may end up being extended. So we don't like that. Our, our ideal client is is one that is prepared and they care enough about their their business that they or, or their individual taxes that they keep it all together and, they, and you know, they're ready for us. Um, but one thing I don't like, and I've learned this over the years, is tax uh, accountants, we become kind of like the necessary evil. The one person that people dread seeing, kind of like the dentist every year. And I learned several years ago that I didn't like having that feeling that, you know, clients were dreading seeing me every year because of tax time. So I've really tried to develop my business model to where I'm working with the clients um, throughout the year. They, they're free to call me or email me with questions or concerns all year long. I want to know what's going on with them, if there's any changes and that sort of thing, because it helps me serve them better. So I want to be part, like I said earlier, part of their team, part of their success. One of the things I've learned, Jennifer, because I work with a lot of small to average size businesses, and I go in really to work with their leadership side of the business. But you can't get into the leadership side without getting into all aspects of their business because it all just melts together. And I have found that so many of these business owners that I work with, their concentration is on the service side of their business, their product side. But when it comes to the financial side, they don't have a budget. They don't understand a P&L statement and it's almost like one guy told me, he said, as long as I have money in the bank, I'm okay. And yeah, I, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Because your bank account is not always reflective of what you actually have. True. So I find that a lot of these people are really, 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 really good at making money. But to me, it's always been not how much money you make, but how much money can you save? I mean, do you run into this? Oh, all the time, especially with small business owners. Um, yeah, we, we see that all the time. And, I mean, it's not really their fault. They're not – they are experts in whatever it is that they're selling. So what they need is a good accountant on their team, somebody that they that can explain to them the importance of keeping a good set of books or um, understanding those financial statements that print out of their accounting software, whether they're using QuickBooks or something like that. And, and I see that all the time with um, people that don't even care about their accounting system, and they just log into the online banking every day to see if they've got money in the bank, and that's how they spend. And that is really someone that's that's mismanaging their business. I know they don't mean to be, but there's no way that they can plan. There's no way that they can be proactive as far as saving on taxes. If they need to go get a loan, if there's an opportunity that comes their way, they're going to miss out because they're not prepared. They don't have the financial reports they need. They can't really um, go to a bank and give them a good set of um, reports that they, that the bank is going to need to lend them money or, you know, an accountant's going to need to be able to prepare 
a tax projection and a tax plan and offer them advice. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're really hurting themselves in so many ways by doing that. I'm talking with Jennifer Todd today. Jennifer is uh, my corporate CPA. And as I said in the introduction, someone that I'm very, very lucky to have because the right person working with you on your financial site is really a blessing to your life. Listen, you can ask Karen about this. One of the things I'm the weakest in is when it comes to math and to money. I'm good at creating on the production side and the seminar side and writing my books and stuff. But when it comes to that aspect, I'm really very weak. I mean, I'm one of these people that I used to close my checking account every four months to get my balance because I never knew what I had in the bank. And so I think there are a lot of you out there, you are good at making money. And it's great to make money. But what do you have left? There's a friend of mine that I have uses the statement, what happens when you have more month than you have money? And a lot of times that's just because you haven't taken the time to consider the importance of the financial aspect of your business. And how are you going to have a powerful business? How are you going to be able to grow your business if you don't have that partner in your life who can help you with the financial side? And that's why I invited Jennifer to spend this time with us today. And Jennifer, I got some questions for you, and I'd like for us to discuss these because I I think these are very, very, very important questions as we begin to consider the whole concept of dollars in business sense. Because again, a lot of people know how to make money, but they don't know how to develop their money and keep their money. So here's my first question to you. How important is it that a business owner has a business plan? How important is this to the success of their business? Well, I, I don't think um, it can be overstated how important a business plan is. And a lot of times, business owners think of a business plan as something that you do only in the startup phase. But there is um, evidence out there that actually business planning throughout your entire company lifespan is is very important to the success of, the, of businesses. There was an um, article published back in 2010 in the Journal of Business Venturing that was a result of a meta-analysis of over 46 independent studies of 11,000 firms. And it, it noted that those firms that were established and they had some experience under their belts were much more effective in their planning than those that were planning in the startup phase. So it's important to have a business plan at all phases of your, of your business. Um, so I think what's really important about a business plan is it doesn't have to be some elaborate written thing. It, it can be something that it just as simple as writing down your goals. Um, and I believe in that the SMART system, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Um, and then measuring, you know, what is really important. You don't want to waste your time budgeting and measuring and worrying about things that aren't really going to help you get your goals. So you have to really decide what are the metrics that you want to be measuring and planning as far as marketing, accounting, and finance, customer service goals, product development, on and on. The financial part of this is important too also, right? Because I need to have an understanding like if if I'm doing my budget, my projection, my business plan for 2015, it's important that I know financially what did we bring in, what did we spend. And what we do, Jennifer, is we sit down and we'll take like for 2015, we'll go back to 2014, 2013, and 2012 
and do an average of our expenses. And then by doing that, get an idea of exactly what is it going to cost us to be in business. Because am I right in this that a big part of a business plan is knowing what it costs you to do business? Sure, and that's where your profit and loss comes into play. And also things that aren't on your profit and loss, um, things that you're maybe financing, such as equipment and, you know, um, fixed assets and things like that. But um, you're definitely on the right track starting with historical data and then kind of building upon that because you, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. So you have to look and see, you know, where has my money gone? Um, make sure everything's categorized in your business, in, in the books. And then from there, you, you can decide where you want to tweak. If it's something that you need to cut expenses, if you need to increase expenses in certain areas and that sort of thing. So you, you definitely have to have that information already in some sort of format where you can see your history, like you were talking about a couple of years back, and then project going forward with any changes, any goals that you, you want to attain and how, how you're going to get there. So as a CPA, is it important that once I have put that together, that you have a copy or a sketch of what I'm wanting to do for 2015? Sure, because then I can make suggestions based on your goals, based on what it, what it is you want to try to accomplish in the coming year or so. Every business owner has a different personal and financial goals, and so it's important to have an understanding of, of the, the big picture and then how, look at the details of that budget and figure out how we're going to make that big picture happen. It's important to have it written down, and uh, it's been proven that, that writing your goals down and having it written and stated exactly what you want to do and, the, and your plan and how you're going to get there is actually much more effective than if, you're just, if you just say, oh, I want to make a million dollars next year or something like that. If you write it down and have a plan, you, you know, it's, it's much more effective that way. Well, in other words, what I need to do is I need to see Jennifer Todd not as an evil part of being in business, but as a, but as a partner to help me grow my business. Exactly. If, if I get nothing else across this whole interview, that would be awesome because, and I think I'm, I'm not alone in this. Other CPAs feel the same way, and a lot of them just don't know how to communicate it to their customers. Um, so they just keep going. It's always the same rigmarole every year. And like I said a couple of years ago, I decided to change my business model and really start communicating that to people that, hey, you know, you're free to call me whenever you want. Hopefully that kind of opens up those lines of communication, which are so important and, and Makes, um, makes my customers feel like I'm more of a partner to them. Yeah, and that brings into play the second question, second concept, because one of the things that you can ask a business owner to do, because I do it all the time, is, okay, here's things you need to improve. But the word that we use consistently is here are some things you need to change. And what I've learned uh -huh. about change is that it's a very emotional term. So if you come to me and say, Richard, here's some things you need to change, all of a sudden my emotions are going to kick into gear. Why do I need to change this? I've been doing this for 10 years this way. Why do I need to do it any differently? It's worked for 10 years, so why do I need to change anything? So why is it important for a business owner to embrace change? Well, I think it's important for for anybody to be able to be flexible and be open to new ideas. Um, things in this in, in our world nowadays change so rapidly with technology um, advances. Communications are so much more open and widespread nowadays. 
it's really important for um, people to be, to be open to change. Now, in specific, if I were to come to you and, and suggest changes for your business or business model, that would be me acting as an advisor, and you would have to have some level of trust. You're going to have to have some sort of leap of faith, especially if it's something that you've been doing for a long time. So, so you know, you have to have a trusted advisor if, if you're going to be relying on them to suggest changes and things like that. But, I mean, you know, really, there's nothing guaranteed in life, and so it's important to be able to accept changes, accept things that may not work out the way you think they're going to work out. We may ha- go through all this effort to to create a budget and a business plan and something happens and it just doesn't work out that way. So, so you always need to be prepared to, to tweak your budget, tweak your business plan and, and have um, several options open for you. Part of um, the planning aspect is developing scenarios, having a plan B, a plan C, best and worst case scenarios and things like that. If I don't trust this financial person I have, be it controller or a CPA, if I don't trust that person, then they're not the right person for me, correct? Right. I've had a, a lot of new clients come to me um, having had a, a bad relationship with their former accountant because, like I said, the accountant didn't, didn't speak with them at the correct level where they could understand it. Maybe they were intimidating or just unavailable. And so you, you really want to make sure that you're partnering with an accountant that's going to be open and available to you and willing to, willing and able to help because some some accountants out there like turning and burning and just you know whipping out as many tax returns as possible and getting you know hurting clients in and out of the door as quickly as possible during tax season and so you know some clients like that but if you're really serious about growing your business and you need a business partner then you're going to want to find somebody that's willing to take the time and effort and energy to you know understand you and and um help you understand what's going on with your business and how how changes can help you. Yeah. And one of the questions I asked Karen after she had met with you the first time, because it's a foundational question to me, do you trust Jennifer? And she came back and she said, yes. Now, this was important to me because if I don't trust you, I don't connect with you. If I don't connect with you, I can't build that business relationship with you where you become a partner in my business. Uh, you talked to me a little bit about a thing called BI. What is that? BI is business intelligence. It's one of my favorite emerging topics in business. I love technology, and it has a lot to do with technology and the amount of data that's out there nowadays that, that um, business owners can kind of harness and, and gather data and just kind of um, create strategies and strategic competitive advantages. So there's a term out there called big data. Have you ever heard of that term? Yeah, Jennifer, I have not. It's something that's out there nowadays where larger enterprises and that sort of thing, they have all these big um, databases full of, say, customer transactions and things like that. And so they can use technology to really extrapolate a lot of the scenarios and a lot of data and everything, uh, a lot of information that can help them to strategize, create new product lines. IBM actually has a whole website dedicated to analyzing big data. And, you know, for instance, um, when you analyze this sort of stuff, things, uh, you know, you can, um, healthcare industry can decrease patient mortality, telecoms can decrease processing time, 
create more accuracy in how they're placing their power generation resources. I mean, there's so much out there that these big companies can do, but how that pertains to us as small business owners is we can actually benefit because they're the ones spending all this energy and time and money gathering the big data together and analyzing it, and then they publish their results and things so we can actually get a lot of information about customers and how they respond to different um, parts of the the market and, and different sales strategies and all different kinds of things. So there's so much out there that can be done with, with um, business intelligence. There's also ways that small businesses can use business intelligence in their own um, accounting systems by just making sure that they put as much detail as possible when they're recording transactions because when you put a lot of detail in your in your system, later on you can data mine it back out and, and um, there's a lot of different neat apps nowadays that kind of work with like QuickBooks and um, things like that and can pull that data back out and, and make really robust reports and give you a lot of information that, that you may not have been able to easily get out of your system. <laughs> so it's, it's really kind of neat. So what I need to do is I need to redefine my BI because my BI is big business ignorance. And <laughs> what I need to do is translate that into business intelligence. Because yes. I, I need to understand business, I need to understand profit, I need to understand cost, I need to understand the aspects of business that will make me a better business person and also helps me to have a stronger partnership with you. Exactly. And really, one of the big things um, business intelligence does is it helps businesses learn about their customers more so. And, and really, we need to know as much as we can about our customer and their behavior and what causes them to buy from us, what causes them to leave us, and that sort of thing. And so business intelligence can help you get that information as well. So it's really good to document as much as you can in your system, in your database, so that uh, later on, you can analyze that information and, and um, make better decisions, make uh, you know better strategy for your company and that sort of thing. Uh, we're talking about your money today, and we're talking about helping you become more profitable because the more profitable you are, the more you understand your business, you understand your money, the more power you're going to have to be a growing business. So many businesses do not suffer from what's happening in the economy. It's just they don't have that sketch that keeps them adapting to where the economy is going. And to be able to adapt to that changing economy, because it's always changing, you and I need to have a greater business sense, which means we need to understand the financial part of our business, not just the profit. Everybody looks at the profit. But you got to understand what it costs you to be in business, because if you don't have that, you don't have the power you you need to make the right decisions. And my guest um, today is Jennifer Todd, my CPA, and someone I'm proud to have as a part of us. And Jennifer, here's one of the things I see as I work with organizations and with companies. Too many business owners spend their time working on their business rather than working in their business? Well, actually, what they do is a lot of times they work in their business as the technician and not necessarily on their business oh, as, as a okay. strategist. Okay. Yep. 
so we want to really try to decide again. It all comes back to goals and what you really want out of your business. Why did you start your business? You know, what made you become an entrepreneur instead of just, you know, working for someone else in their company? And, you know, getting back down to those basics and making sure that, uh, you know, you're fulfilling those needs um, that, that the reason why you started your business to begin with. And a lot of times what happens is people have these grand ideas, they go and start a business, and they quickly become overwhelmed working in the business and have no time at all to work on the business. They're, they have no time to keep in their books straight. They have no time to analyze their data if they have it in, in their books, that sort of thing. So it really comes down to being comfortable delegating. So part of that means that as a business owner, if I'm not careful, I can develop behaviors where I don't own my business, my business owns me. Oh, yes. And when that happens, I'm dangerous. Yeah, you're dangerous and tired, you know, and you make bad decisions in your business or you keep going. It's almost like uh, you become a hamster on a wheel and you just keep going and going and you, there's, you don't feel like there's any way you can stop that wheel from moving. And I see it time and time again. And a lot of it is just knowing what your strengths are. What do you bring to your business and how can you capitalize best on those strengths And then all the other little stuff that you might be able to delegate either to an internal employee or to an outsourced company that will save you the time that you need to really, again, take a step back, look at your business. Is it aligned with your goals? Is this where you wanted it to go? And then, you know, really decide how you're going to get there. Um, but it's so easy to to become bogged down. And a lot of it also um, has to do with control. Uh, entrepreneurs, they like control. Really? You think so? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I know oh. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, guilty. Yeah. One of the things I've learned is that, and I, I put this to business owners all the time, do you own your business or are you a participant in the confusion of your business? Exactly. And so I think, you know, a lot of it, again, comes down to whether or not they want to change their business model so that they can grow it to be where they want it to be. Some people enjoy just working and doing that uh, workaholic thing where, where they're just working, working, and it makes them feel busy, makes them feel productive, even though they may not be using their time wisely. Some people do that, and they, they're gratified that way. But most people want to have more fulfillment. They want to have a balance, a work-life balance and that sort of thing. And maybe in the early stages of a business that might not be attainable, but once your business has been established for a couple of years, it's time to get off the rat race and the wheel there and really look look at your business and, and decide where it's going and how, how you can, again, delegate tasks and um, really decide how you want to grow your business. Everybody's given the same amount of time every day. So once you've used up your hours, you can't work anymore. And so you, you're only going to be productive for so long. And so in order to increase your, your business growth, you're going to have to either bring people in. A lot of people don't want to mess with employees. They don't want the hassle and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's really a decision they have to make and decide, well, if you're happy working 24-7, stay where you are. But most people, they, they want more. Yeah, and that's where I think uh, alignment, mm-hmm. trusting people, having that partnership in your business. I, I've got time for two more questions to you. What mistakes do you find that a lot of business owners make 
in managing their cash? Oh, goodness. Um, Cash management is, you know, one of those things that's so critical. Like we were talking earlier when you said looking at the bank account, and as long as I've got money in the bank, I'm good. Well, that's not necessarily the case because that's only one small part of the picture. You typically in a business, unless you have some a business where you're paid when you at the time you either make a sale, you're paid right away, which is like a retail business. Most of the time, if you're a service provider or something like that, um, you would people owe you money. You know, you're going to have to send an invoice. They're going to owe you money. So, um, and then you've got bills that come in, and most people don't pay those bills the day they come in the mail. So they've got what's called liabilities. So it's really important to be able to keep track of who owes you money and how much and when it was due to you and also how much money you owe. And so a lot of times companies don't, they mismanage those two parts of their business, the receivables and the payables. Yeah. And I see this all the time. I see business owners tell me, so-and-so owes me money. Well, how much do they owe you? You know, I don't know. Uh, And if you don't understand concept of running the business from the financial aspect, that, yeah, if you do the work, you deserve to be paid. But if you're not organized, things can slip through the cracks. And then six months later, you go, you know what? I never did invoice those people. And just having that, that business sense and being organized that way, because cash flow is one of the most critical aspects that I find a lot of business owners dealing with. They'll tell me, we've made this much money, but we're owed this much money. And this goes back to what my friend says. Those are the times when you have more month than you have money. Exactly. And, and that's, not a, that's not a good feeling. No, because when you can't collect on, on, you know, the money that people owe you, you're, it's going to cost you money in the long run because you're going to have to finance things. You're going to have to, you know, maybe get a line of credit or something like that. So, so you'll be paying interest. Um, for instance, I just got a new client. Their main customers are much larger than they are, and they work with, like, big companies, like big telecom companies. And so they provide services to them. Well, the big telecom company um, stipulates how they're going to pay my customer. So, you know, they've got a 45- to 60-day turnaround from the time they get the invoice until they get payment. Well, they can't wait two months to pay their people to do the work. You know, they're incurring expenses all along. And so there's a real cash flow crunch there. It's a real problem. So, you know, one of the ways that they can combat that is they make sure that they – build that into their contract price. You know, if I'm going to have to wait 60 days to get paid, you're going to have to pay me more because I have to finance. I have to act as your bank, basically, and finance you. And so there's there's ways to, to make sure that you're, first of all, charging enough and that you're being compensated for having to wait to get your money. Yeah, it's what every employee wants to hear. Folks, we have lots of business, and we're doing lots of things, but you know what? They're not paying us on time, so you're going to have to wait a little bit on your paycheck until they pay us. Yeah, people just, you know, no one's going to stick around for that unless they're <laughs> they're vested or family, you know. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So, I mean, really, that and, – and likewise, uh, negotiating favorable vendor – vendor payment terms with your suppliers is just smart business. Um, so you want to be able to to see um, if you can extend your payment. So my customer that has that um, issue where it, I have other customers that work with the government, you know, government can take a long time to pay 
sometimes and you have to go through a lot of processes to get paid. And so hopefully they'll be able to negotiate with their vendors and kind of um, keep those late fees down and things like that. But every dollar counts and that, that money just flips through the cracks there and it's really a cost of doing business. So you really want to make sure that your pricing reflects that and that you're going to be able to recoup that money somehow. But it's also important to have like a cash forecast so that you know, okay, I've got this much in the bank, this much is scheduled to come in, and this much is scheduled to go out so that you always know exactly how much cash you're going to have at all times. And the only way to really do that is to make sure your accounting software is up to date with the correct dates and the correct amounts and all that stuff in, in there. Yeah. Okay. I got one more question for you. Okay. And, um, I've saved this one to last for a reason. Uh, in your years of experience and in your working with the different types of companies you've worked with, uh, you've got to have seen a lot of things. What have you seen is probably the most costly mistake most small you know, business owners and are either startup companies make? Mistake. If you could give one piece of advice, if, if I'm a business owner, what do I need to watch for? And we've got about a uh, minute and a half for you to answer this. Yeah, it's a short answer. <laughs> really, it's. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, it's not having the books up to date. Um, just you know, being like you said, disorganized. A lot of times they struggle because they don't understand the value of the accounting or and finance function. They don't have a lot of resources to spend on keeping a good set of books. And without a good set of books, it's impossible to do all the strategizing. It's impossible to have a tax plan. It's impossible to be proactive as a business owner. And that means unpleasant surprises at tax time or like when you need to get a loan. And so that's that's the main thing is, is having those books updated and, and that you understand them. Well, and is part of your role to help someone like me or help a business owner understand what all that means? Yeah, and, you know, that's one of the services we provide, actually, is, um, you know, when someone has an in-house accountant or they keep their own books, is we offer um, oversight. So if they want to send us their books a couple times a year, maybe quarterly or monthly, we can look at them and make sure that they are straight. And then we can meet with, the, with, with our clients and discuss the results of their operations and give them advice. And that's really the kind of, of relationship that we like with our customers because that way, again, we're on top of it. Um, and there's no surprises at the end of the year. Nobody likes surprises at tax time. And like you were talking with the, um, you know, you can't send an invoice to a customer six months later. People don't like those kind of surprises. And you can't send a note to the IRS saying, whoops, I forgot about you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jennifer, I cannot begin to thank you enough because, folks, Jennifer was a little bit under the weather today, and she came on to do our show with us, and I appreciate this. And I hope you can see why we chose her as our CPA, because she's professional, and you want a professional. She's there to help us. She's a partner, and you want a partner. She's there, and she brings us advice, and we need that advice. So when it comes to your finances, make sure that you have someone who's helping you to be more powerful in business. <laughs> 